I'm going to pray and then we'll jump in here. Father, I thank you just for your love for us. I thank you for the book of Colossians. Thank you that we get to dig into it really like we have been. I just pray this morning that we would see Jesus again. We'd see him high and lifted up, full of grace, full of mercy, full of goodness towards us. Father, I just pray you'd renew in us a right heart. Renew in us this morning just a passion, a love, a real zeal for Jesus and his glory. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Well, I love the book of Colossians. It was a lot of fun for me to uh, get to prepare this message. I love it not just because of the clear Jesus message that Colossians gives, but also um, just Paul, the Apostle Paul, his passion um, for the gospel of Jesus. And probably another thing that really draws me to the book of Colossians is the character development. My, uh, my wife and I were huge Lord of the Rings nerds. And uh, if you come to our house on a Saturday morning, you're probably going to get some dose of Lord of the Rings, whether it's on TV or a quote my brother-in-law says. He's reading through it right now. He's living with us and he is a, he's a Lord of the Rings nerd as well. So, but one of the amazing things about the Lord of the Rings, not only do they have these incredible like graphic shots, these incredible scenery setups, they also have amazing character development. I mean, you see these people, these little hobbits, just develop you know, as they go. And that's really what happens in the book of Colossians as well. We see the development of this, this group of people that are located in Colossae. And, the Colossians were, they, they were a people who didn't know Jesus. They were a people who didn't follow Jesus. And Epaphras comes down from Ephesus and preaches them the gospel, tells them the good news about Jesus. They, they receive the gospel. Epaphras himself, he received the, the gospel through the Apostle Paul. So Paul receives the gospel from Jesus directly. He tells it to Epaphras, then Epaphras tells it to the Colossians. You really see how the gospel goes from friend to friend in this book. But one of the things about the Colossians is that the Paul, Paul never met them. So Paul only knows what he hears from others about the Colossians. And, and when Epaphras comes back, he, he would have told Paul, Paul, they received the gospel with faith. That's the only way you can receive the gospel is with faith. There were people who didn't know Jesus. They hear the good news. They receive it with faith. It would have been radically born again. Just radical life change happening in them. Epaphras would have come back and said, Paul, they receive the gospel. And then, as some time goes on, Paul gets news that the Colossians have really kind of strayed away from Jesus. They've started getting their heart and their affections. They've started giving their energies not to being more and more rooted into Jesus, but things outside of Jesus. For, for some of the Colossians, it was a higher spirituality. So, they thought, you know, this Jesus thing, that's good, that's where we started, but we want to go higher. We want more spirituality than Jesus. We want, we want to worship angels. We want to know about higher levels of heaven. We want to have, they, they got in this thing where some in the church thought they had superior knowledge, where, where they were more spiritual than others. It's easy for us to get there, really. Other people in the Colossian church got really busy with religious activity, they were kind of running around telling everyone, hey, don't eat this, don't drink that, don't, don't do that. Definitely don't do that. Church can be like that. You know, sometimes our, experience, our church background might be like that. Don't do this, don't do that. Make sure you observe that day of the week or, man, you're toast if you don't do that. And that's kind of what the Colossians were getting. They were on this path with Jesus and they were getting 
off of it. And when Paul hears news, they're way off of it. Way off the path. And you may think to yourself, I know I did, how did this people, this group of people who started in Christ, who started with this fire for Jesus, how did they get so far off? You may have friends, you may know people who started with a real fire, a real zeal for God, and now they're not walking with them. They got really far off. Or they got they just got really disconnected to who Jesus really is. Maybe they got busy with religious stuff. Maybe they got super spiritual. Maybe they just wanted a different lifestyle. I know for me, I ask myself, God, how did that happen? How did this, how did, you know, in my own life, when I've kind of gotten off, how did I get off so bad? One thing is it didn't happen overnight. It's a, it's a path we get on. it. Like Brian said last week, it's not the crazy arguments. <coughs> Right? I mean, if we've had a revelation of Jesus, it's not the guy who says, Jesus was a crackhead. That's not the guy who gets us off. It's not the truth that says, you don't need God, just do your own thing. That's not the truth that tends to get us. The, truth that tends to, the, the half-truth that tends to get us is the thing that says, hey, you have enough strength in your own self to choose your own destiny. Right? Hey, just do a little more religious activity. God will be real happy with you. Just a little more knowledge and I'll be super spiritual. Not just spiritual, I'll be super spiritual. I don't need to obey God. I can kind of make my own decisions. The Bible's just a, it's a good suggestion. I don't need to really follow that, do I? Paul's goal in this letter is he wants to bring the Colossians back to Jesus. He wants to bring the Colossians back to their roots, to their foundation. He uses a lot of foundation language in these two verses. He said, I want to bring you back to how you received Jesus and help you keep walking in Him like that. And that's really where we want to start today because the reality is, although we may be walking strong right now, although you may have received Him in strength, the reality is we as well, if we don't keep ourselves rooted and grounded and found in Jesus, we as well could get off just a bit. And it may just be an inch. We could just get an inch off, but if we continue to follow that without putting our roots and our foundations back into Him, we could end up five years, ten years, fifteen years, we could end up a mile away from Him. So let's look at what Paul says to the Colossians. This is how he starts. He says, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. As you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. So my question for you is, how did you receive Him? How did you receive Christ Jesus? Some people might say, I received him in a moment. It was like a bomb went off in my life. I didn't know Jesus. I do know Jesus. Just changed right there. That's kind of how it was for me. I was far from God. I didn't know Jesus. I went to church and I had some powerful encounters where there there were days where it was like a bomb just went off. Wow, Jesus. Other people would say it was a bit of a season for me. That might be your story. You might say, I don't know exactly when I became a Christian or exactly when I was born again, but I know at this point I didn't believe in him, and sometime later I did. That's okay. You may have received him in a moment. You may have looked back and said, I received him over a bit of a season. It's okay how you did. But I know this. You, like me, there's only one way really to receive him. There's one way that we all receive him. 
That's by grace through faith. That's what, the Paul, that's what Paul says to the Ephesians. He says, hey guys, look, this is how you were saved. He says, by grace you have been saved, through faith. He says, it's not your own doing, it's a gift of God. Not the result of works so that no one may boast. It's by grace. You know what grace means? Grace means that we were dead in our sin. Grace means that we were filthy before God. It means that when we came to God, we had, we had to confess, we had to realize the fact that we, we had sinned against Him. We were unworthy of Him. We could scrub ourselves clean. We could try and work ourselves into being good enough for God. But the reality is, we were filthy. And we couldn't change that. Nothing we could have done. Not a little more Sunday attendance. Not a little more, I obeyed you there, Jesus. Nothing we could have done could have made us right before God. Who's righteous? No, not one. No one. Good teacher. Who's good but God? All of us. That's what grace says. Grace says all of us were dead in our sin. We were at the bottom of the ocean. Dead. Just absolutely dead. Helpless. Couldn't do anything about it. Didn't even know we were dead. You were in bondage to darkness. Didn't even know. As Kurt said when he brought this word, the guy's on the cross. He can't go and do a good deed to his neighbor to make up for his sin. He can't go and repay what he had stolen. He's stuck. And his end is near. All he could do was call out on Jesus. All he could do is say, remember me. The only power he had when he was hanging there was to say, Jesus, have mercy on me. And that's what grace says. Grace says for all of us. We're at the bottom of that ocean. Jesus grabbed us. He lifted us up. He made us sons of God. He made us righteous. He made us holy. It says that He transferred us. He rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. I was a part of the domain of darkness and I was stuck. And He rescued me. That's what grace says. Grace says that I'm a righteous man because of a gift. <laughs> As I received Him. It's a gift. Salvation's a gift. We can't work for it. We can't earn it. We can't attain it. Good people go to heaven, right? Who's good but God alone? We're all screwed. <laughs> Unless it's Him. Unless it's grace, we're all toast. But if we turn to Him, if we believe in Him, <laughs> we're righteous. We're holy. We're God's chosen ones. If we turn to Him, we're called sons of God. Hallelujah. Isn't that amazing? Paul goes on, he says, it's through faith. What do you mean by faith? How, how do I know I have faith? Well, if I were to ask some of you, do you believe that Jesus is real? You'd say, a lot of us in this room would say, I could boldly declare Jesus is real. I'm confident. If I were to say, do you believe that you're going to heaven when you die? Many of us in this room would say, I'm totally confident. I'm going to heaven when I die because I put my hope in Jesus. 
If I were to say to that same group of people, have you ever seen Jesus? Maybe someone has, but most of us would say, (laughs) no, I haven't. If I were to say, have you ever seen heaven? Where's your confident assurance that you're going to? No, I've never seen it. So you believe that Jesus is real, man you've never seen, and you believe that you're going to heaven, a place you've never had proof that it exists. The gap there is huge. You received Jesus with a lot of faith. You're telling me you believe that God became man and died for your sin. I've never seen anyone change from God to man. Okay. That's quite a bit of faith. But, but then, so often, he's not answering that prayer or that circumstance isn't changing or life got rough. And we catch ourselves thinking, God, do you really love me? Do you really care for me? Are you real? Why why isn't this changing? Hey, that's a little thing. As we received him, let's walk in him. Loads of faith. I can believe he's always good. He never changes. He's always good towards me. He works all things for good for those who love Him. My circumstance is horrible. It's a lot of faith. As we received Him, let's walk in Him. We received Him by grace through faith. As we received Him, let's keep walking in Him, full of grace. Amazing thing about faith, it's a gift too. Faith is a gift from God. It's all grace. It's all grace. So Paul points us back to our salvation. Where does he go next? Well, he fleshes it out a little bit. He says the next thing is you need to be rooted. You need to be firmly rooted. Where do you need to be rooted in? Well, you need to be rooted in Jesus. It's not rooted in what? Rooted in who? You need to be rooted down in to Him. How do we keep ourselves from straying away into super spirituality into a lifestyle that doesn't honor God? How do we keep from straying away into legalism? We put our roots down into Him again. It's not rooted in religious tradition. It's not rooted in a rule book. It's not rooted in the power of positive thinking. I can make it a good day if I choose for it to be a good day. It's not rooted in morality. If I'm good enough, then I've done okay. No, it's rooted down into Him putting our root down into a person. Why? Well, so that we can receive from Him. So that we can receive grace upon grace. Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, come to Me. I'm thirsty, Lord. I'm going to root down. I'll give the Spirit without measure. I want more of the Spirit, Lord. I'm going to root down into You. Remember that day when you were saved and you were filled with life? Filled with joy? Being totally forgiven made you feel as though the rest of the world it would all work out. I'm totally forgiven. What could I be down about? Hey, as you received Him, keep receiving that life, that joy from Him. He doesn't change. He's full of life. Some people say prayer's boring. I think, man, you must be praying wrong. (laughs) 
You must be praying maybe for a means of praying. Oh, I know I should pray. I'm a Christian. I'll pray. That's worthless. It doesn't help us. It doesn't give anything to us. Prayer is a means to receiving from Him. I don't pray to say, Lord, I prayed. We pray to say, Lord, need to receive from You. Need to hear Your voice over me. Need to feel Your presence again. Need to be filled with Your grace. You don't ask because you don't have. Lord, I want to ask. I want to receive what You've put in me to receive. His Word. His Word. We can receive His Word. We can receive His Word. The Word that spoke and earth was created. The Word that spoke says, this is My beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. The Word that spoke to us life on our salvation day. We can continue to receive His Word. The psalmist, psalmist, I don't know if I said that right, but (laughs) this is what he says. His Word gives life. Oh, wrong. How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. I love honey. (laughs) Honey is one of my favorite things. I had a big cup of tea this morning. But somebody looked at me funny. They were like, gosh, it's a lot of honey. I love honey. It's sweet. Sweet to my taste. His word is sweet to my taste. I have people say to me, man, my Bible reading is getting dry. I've been there. My Bible reading gets dry. Oh, it's supposed to be sweet to our taste. We go there. It's supposed to be full of riches and nourishment. That's why oftentimes when I read my Bible... I have to kind of take it to prayer as well. God, you say you're good. Okay, if that just hits my mental facility, I don't. It doesn't help me a ton. But if I take that to God and say, God, you say you're good, show me. Speak it into me. Make it alive to me. Oh, it becomes like honey. It gets rich. Sometimes, you know, the top of the honey jar is kind of crusty. You've got to break through it. <laughs> it's true. I mean... That's my favorite part, by the way. (laughs) Sometimes in His Word, you know, you read one sentence and it's boring. Okay, keep reading. The more we we get in it, the more we're starting to receive from it, we'll start to taste the richness of it more. Let it just soak in our mouth. Just kind of be in there. Man, that's good. When it runs out, put some more in. That's good. I want to be like Winnie the Pooh with the Bible. (laughs) Give me more honey. When we meet together, when we come together as a body, I love you guys so much. I love worshiping with you on Sunday mornings. I love looking around and seeing people lifting their hands to Him. I come in sometimes and I'm a bit self-centered. I'm a bit focused on this happened, that happened, this is going on. I look around and I see you guys and it just fills my soul with joy. When we meet together, it's like sticking a root down. Saying, oh Lord, we're getting a bunch today. Let's rec-. That's why we do community groups here at Jubilee. We so believe that we cannot live this Christian life on our own. Paul says to the Ephesians, When the church comes together, when you come together, it's like the manifold wisdom of God is put on display. 
seeing each other, hearing the truth that comes out of each other's mouth. You're, you're amazed right now at God's grace. I'm amazed right now at God's power. We get the best of both. Being in community is so valuable to us because Jesus is so valuable to us. We want to receive abundantly from Him. We want to walk abundantly in Him. That's why we meet together. Another big root is being convinced of the power of the cross. You can't become a believer unless you're convinced of the power of the cross. The power of the cross says this, that I in my sin was cut off from God. That if you were to look at an accounting record of of Dylan Neely, under it would be sin, disgrace, shame, guilt, foolishness. If you were to look at an accounting record and it said, what's his punishment? It would say death. The only punishment God gives to sin is death. That's what I deserved. My accounting record says that that was my cross. That I was the one who was meant to be hung there. I was the one who was meant to experience the Father turning his face away from me. I'm done with that. I can't look at that. That's, that's, that's what being convinced of the power of the cross says that's what my accounting record was. And I was, I was helpless to change it. If I were to look over at Jesus' accounting record, it would say righteous, loved, son of God. What's his reward? Eternal life? The Father's pleasure? And at the cross, what was on my accounting record fell upon him. And what was in his accounting record came to be mine. My wife and I, sometimes we argue. (laughs) Most of which are my fault. John Hassas was in the first service and he was like, most? (laughs) Yeah, John, most, okay? Gosh. And oftentimes what I do when we argue is I kind of justify my actions. I justify my case by external things, right? So I had a I just had a really busy day at work. Sorry I responded to you like that. Our schedule's just been crazy. Sorry I'm a grump all the time. I, you know, I, I said that. I shouldn't have said, should have used this word instead. No, I don't want to rub your back again. I'm too tired. <laughs> but that's my excuse oftentimes, right? Yeah. Threw myself under the bus, dang it. You know what's going to happen? When I'm going to get home, it's going to be like, Jesus, rub my back. <laughs> but what the, what, what the cross tells me is it's not just because I'm too tired. It's not just because our schedule's crazy. It's not just because I had a long day. There's wisdom in those things. I mean, I'm, not, I'm not saying we just need to load our schedule up. But what the cross tells me is, Dylan, look deeper. Because there's probably a lack of love in my heart towards her. I'm probably loving myself more. I'm probably being really self-focused right now. I'm probably saying to Jesus, I know you did a lot for me, but I'm not really willing to do much. I'm not really willing to give this back out. And, And in those moments, I know that I'm wrong. I know that I need to do something different. And oftentimes I don't care or I just lack the effort to change. 
And what I don't need is you have the power to change yourself. It does nothing. But when I go to that rugged cross and I bow before Him and I see Him, that He loved me, that He gave Himself for me, and I receive again that absolute grace towards me, I then can be changed. When I go to Him and I see Him, it transforms my heart. And then I can express that to her. I've got to be convinced of the power of the cross. We need to be growing in our convinced, being convinced of the power of the cross. It's good for us to just spend time meditating on the cross. So much power in that rugged cross. Paul says, be rooted in Him. He goes on, says, be built up in Him and established in the faith. You know, this built up, it's a, it's a construction metaphor. My dad, he did construction growing up, trying to put himself through nursing school. and um, I remember going on the construction site with dad and kind of making airplanes out of wood and this one day he says to me, son, we're going to build your little sister a playhouse. She'd kind of been asking for one a lot. And I was like, yeah, you know, kind of what a drag, but I'll do it. And so I go out there and I'm thinking, this can't take too long. I mean, it's a playhouse. I didn't know he was building a, a, an actual house for her. But he, he's, he digs deep down into the ground and starts building this foundation for this playhouse. We spent pretty much the whole day building this foundation for this playhouse. I thought, Dad, this is taking forever. What are you doing? Like, she's going to grow up five years from now. She's not going to care about that playhouse. This thing's going to be stuck. Like, you're going to make a bomb shelter out of this thing. <laughs> and that might have been, he might have been a bit extreme in that. But what I learned from that is that he, he understood something I didn't understand, which is if your foundation isn't right, if you're not building on something solid and secure and good, it's not right, the building won't be successful. The building will not be made right. You can't build good on a bad foundation. Eventually, that playhouse would fall over. Eventually, it would become insecure. If we built that thing not well, it wouldn't be that safe. And that's really what Jesus is saying here in Luke 6. 46 through 49, he says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and yet you don't do what I tell you? He says, Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I'll show you what he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. The wise man digs deep into Jesus before he starts building the house of his life. Jesus wants to be a sure foundation for us. He wants to be a solid foundation we can build safely upon. He knows that this life is going to bring storms. He knows that the floods will come and the waters will break against our house. He doesn't want your house to break. He doesn't want your house to fall greatly when that day comes. 
He says, build yourself on the rock. Build yourself on a solid foundation. Jesus calls himself the cornerstone. That every stone should be built upon him. If you don't know what a cornerstone is, it's it's the stone in the building that the rest of the building must be formed and shaped and built upon. If it's not built on the cornerstone, the architecture doesn't work. The, The building isn't built correctly. The cornerstone is the key stone in the building. If you don't get the cornerstone and things around the cornerstone right, your building will fall. You start building on something near the cornerstone and then go over to here where there's not the corner. If you get off of the building being built around the cornerstone, you could probably build the house faster. If my dad didn't lay that foundation, we probably could have got that thing up quick. You could look solid, but it's going to fall. It's going to fall. How do we build our house on the rock? How do we build our house on the cornerstone? I think one of the ways we do it is that we let our actions line up with God's word. So the way we live, our lifestyle lines up with the new life we have. Lines up with his word. Now I don't want to, I'm kind of nervous here. There's two ditches I could go into, we could fall into as well. One is that we would say, yeah, I want to line my life up with God's word. God, you need to line your life up with God's word. We're kind of religious, you know. Hey, do, you need to do all the things. Just kind of for the means of doing them. For the means of being accepted before God. Like if I do this, if I, do, if I line my life up with God's word, God's going to love me. That's a bad ditch to go. I don't want to go there. But another bad ditch we can go into, and I've gone into in my life, is grace in vain. It's maybe a good way to say it. I've received this grace. This grace has been so good to me, but it doesn't change me. It's, you've received the grace of God. You've received His love and mercy, but you become more like a cul-de-sac rather than a river. It's just grace in vain. It was meant to change us. It was meant to transform us. But it just kind of came to us and nothing happened. We don't want to fall either. We want to receive the abundance of grace and then walk in the abundance of grace. We understood this when we became Christians, right? When we became Christians, we were like set ablaze. I didn't say, God, thank you. All right, back to, I was like, God, thank you. What do I do now? How do I walk this thing out? How do I do this? I want to change. As we received him, let's walk in him. Zacchaeus, he was a man, a wee little man. Wee little man was he. Sorry. He was a man who was seeking to know who God really was. He couldn't see over the crowd. He wanted to see Jesus, so he climbed up the sycamore tree. Maybe you're in that place today. Maybe you're trying to figure out who God really is. I just want to say we're really glad that you're with us. We have a lot of jubileeites here that are just trying to figure out who God is. And God's good to you when you're seeking out who He is. He's really good to you. He's tender. He's gracious. 
He shows you Jesus. That's why we can come here on a Sunday. You may not be a Christian, but you experience something. You say, man, my, I just felt so emotionally touched. I just experienced something surreal. That's because God's being gracious to you. Although you may not have made a commitment to Jesus yet. So Jesus is good to us when we're seeking, but he's also quite firm. When Zacchaeus was up in the tree, Jesus didn't say, hey, buddy, it's good to see you. He didn't throw him up a rule book either. There you go. Want to know who I am? See you later. He said, hurry down. God might be saying that to you today. He might be saying, hurry down that tree. Hurry down that tree. Zacchaeus, don't stay up there. Hurry down. You'll like this part, though. He says, because I want to stay at your house today. I want to come and stay at your house. Hurry down. Don't stay up there any longer, Zacchaeus. Don't just keep seeking. Don't just keep hoping. No, no, no. Hurry down. Come to me, Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus' actions completely changed. He was a thief. He was a tax collector who took too much from people. And when he hurried down that tree and he saw who Jesus really was, he said, Lord, whatever I've taken that, did, that wasn't right, I'll give it back. I'll give it back fourfold, whatever I've done. This is Jesus' response. He says, today salvation has come to this house. So the question is, did salvation come to this house because Zacchaeus gave back what he had taken? No. Salvation doesn't come because of what we do. Salvation had already come to his house. So our works, they can't save us. Our works can't keep us saved. We only do good works because we've been saved. But let us never grow weary in doing good works. I'd hate to see us run into grace in vain. I don't ever want to run into that. I want to be like a river, receiving abundantly, giving out abundantly. Another way to build on this cornerstone is to have a clear sense of mission in our life. Build on Him means we become like Him. It means we want to follow in His footsteps. Jesus said, come follow me. We want to follow you, Lord. Where are you going? What are you doing? Well, I came to seek and save the lost. Hey, come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. I want to teach you to bring people to me. I want to, I want to teach you to help people know me. We build on him. There's a clear sense of mission. You know, when I was first born again, this was... This was easy. It was like an overflow. It's like, yeah, I've received. Some of my family doesn't know you. Some of my friends don't know you. God, use me to see them know you. I, wanna, I wanted to help so many people know Jesus. And yet as my walk has kind of went on, I started having more and more Christian friends. They're, they're really easy to get along with. They tend to be nicer and don't want to offend and have more in common. I can talk about God things. About a year ago, I just felt God really convicting me. I just neglected this. I neglected this heart of His. I kind of left it at the door. He said, I came to seek and save the lost, and I was just wanting to enjoy Him. 
And the last year for me has been just a year of repenting in that and asking God for grace. God, give me grace that I could meet people who don't know you. Give me grace that I could help people who don't know you know you. And he's been working in, in me that slowly but surely. Maybe you're in that place. Maybe you're in a place of, I really need to turn back on this. I need to come back to giving myself for non-Christians knowing him. Here at Jubilee, we try and keep the church calendar really freed up. We have these big blocks of Sunday mornings, these big blocks of community groups. We want to leave plenty of room to be like Jesus, to give our time and our energy to those who don't know him yet. Clear sense of mission is a way to build on him. Another way to build on him is allowing him to be the Lord. The syntax here, where Paul says, as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, it's a bit different than syntaxes other, other places. Um, I'm, not a, I'm not an English person, so I needed a little help on this, read up on a few you know, others, but the syntax is different. Other places, Paul says, it's kind of like Christ Jesus, the Lord. It's all one big statement. Here, it's, it's kind of like Paul saying, Christ Jesus, the Lord. You get the difference? So it's Christ Jesus the Lord. Here it's like Christ Jesus the Lord. He's the Lord of it all. It's kind of what Paul's saying. We really get this when we're first saved. Right? Our life's kind of a mess. We're kind of like, yeah, just take it all. Fix me. Cleanse me. Change me. You're the Lord. I need help. We start living this life out. It's kind of like, well, I can make that decision on my own. I don't really need God there. I can kind of figure that out. I can... I can do this. I know it's not you know, what the Bible says, but it's kind of just a suggestive book anyway, right? And it's not something I actually live by. Don't actually need to obey. It's kind of, we kind of get off from Him being the Lord and we start being the Lord. Times that's happened in my life, it's been surprising to me that I've gotten off. What we do is we come back to Him. God, You're the Lord. Change my heart again so that I can submit to You. You may be struggling with sin or this situation in your life and saying, yeah, you know, God's working on me. It's a bit of a slow process, but He's working. Hey, you may be slowing it up if you're not realizing He's the Lord. There's been times in my life where I've really struggled to align my life behind Jesus. Maybe you're really struggling to align your life behind Jesus. Hey, He's the Lord. Let's submit to Him. Let's let him call the shots. When my stepdad was first born again, I remember the next day I said, I said, hey, how do you feel? He said, I just I have so much peace. He was pretty stressed out before that. I said, why do you have peace? What happened? He said, I just was carrying all these things and I gave them to the Lord. And now I have peace. He's a good Lord. We give our burdens to him. We give our decisions to him. We allow Him to be the Lord. We receive life, joy, peace. He's benevolent with us. He's not like a king that would rule over. And He's a good king. His dictatorship is good. It's something to be received, to be living life out of. Paul says, be rooted in Him, be built up and established in Him, and abound in thanksgiving. This business about being grateful ones is huge. It's a huge deal in our Christian walk. 
This is, this is a big struggle for me personally, if I'm honest. I, I tend to get discouraged. I can, tend to get depressed. Kind of, oh, that's not changing. Hard on myself. Didn't do that right. Didn't do that right. Didn't do that right. Messing up the marriage thing. <laughs> we have a really good marriage. I'm not trying to <laughs> bash. I just, you know, you can really kind of mess things up and get hard on yourself. God's been working on me with this. I'm a work in progress in this one. I'm learning to be a grateful one. And one of the verses that's really helped me understand the importance of this is Romans 1.21. Paul's talking about a group of people who had walked away from God, who had hardened their hearts towards God. And this is what he says. He says, For although they knew God, they didn't honor Him as God. It's easy to get into that, isn't it? Yeah, I know God. I know about God. I'm not really honoring Him as God. But yeah, I know Him. Man, that's scary. No, God. Don't honor Him as God. Scary place to be. I want to honor him as God as well. Read it again. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. See, Paul puts this thing of not honoring God and not giving thanks to him right next to each other. Which means giving thanks to God is a huge deal. You honoring God in your life? Yeah. You grateful? Nah. No. Giving thanks to God is like honoring God. It's a way of honoring. We can't honor Him without being grateful to Him. You honoring God? Yeah, I'm doing the right things. Giving thanks to Him? No, I'm kind of mad at Him for some stuff. Not honoring Him. He's good. Giving thanks to Him is huge. Paul said this to the Thessalonians. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this, this one thing, this very thing, only this, This is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Man. This one thing, giving thanks to Him, is the will of God for us. If you could take anything away from today, I would say take this away. We're to be grateful ones to Him. Brian talked last week about these bullet prayers. Use bullet prayers to be grateful to Him. It doesn't have to be this long Thank you for a million things. Just as you go in your day, thank you for that. Thank you for that person. Thank you for this conversation. Thank you for leading me to repentance. <laughs> thank you for my car I can drive. Some mornings I'm walking around praying and I just can't like get excited about prayer. And I'll just, thank you for this piece of furniture. Thank you for that lamp. <laughs> and it begins to warm my soul to God because really it's all a gift from Him. My piece of furniture is a gift from Him. I'm thankful. And you might be saying, you might be thinking right now, hey, Dylan, you, that's great. You have no idea what I'm going through. My life is hard. There are some really dark things happening in my life right now. I've had some really dark things in my past. What am I to give thanks for? How am I supposed to be grateful? Hey, I hear that. I do. But Paul does not say... Give thanks for all your circumstances. He says give thanks in all, in all your circumstances. Paul says, he's saying, look, God never changes. You want to know what to be thankful for? He's on His throne. You're forgiven. You're righteous. This day of struggle, this day of darkness, like that, it's going to be gone. And then we'll see him face to face. 
Give thanks in all your circumstances to God. Give thanks to Him. You know, sometimes when you're struggling to give thanks, it's like dark, there's like a dark cloud over you. And it, it feels like the only thing you can feel is anger or bitterness or just a lack of care. Giving thanks to God is like popping your head up into heaven. I mean, it could, God doesn't love me. God doesn't care about me. This circumstance is horrible. No, no, no. God loves me. God cares for me. God, you're, oh, you're good. Whoa. You are good. Oh, my car broke down. No, you love me. My relationship is just falling apart. God, you've chosen me as your son. Every day your mercies are new. Let's keep our head in heaven, looking at the reality of what that's like. It's hard to get down when we see him as he really is. Don't let that cloud come up over. No, keep, keep giving thanks to him. Paul says abounding in thanksgiving, which means it's an entire way of life. It's a way of prayer. It's a way of relating. You ever sat down at the table with someone and just started the conversation with, hey, I'm, I'm grateful to God for you. Might feel a bit awkward. Give it a go. It changes everything. You sit down at a dinner table sometimes and, ah, oh, the bills are, man, this happened, and preacher drug on today. And... <laughs> when you sit down at that table with a group of people and you start it with, you know what, guys, I'm just really grateful to God. I'm really grateful to God. He did this thing. or He changes the whole environment. Give that a go. It's a way of thinking as well. For you pessimists, I know how you think. I can be one of them. We can, we can think like pessimists or we can think like worshipers. How do you think? One of the ways to grow in gratitude is to be thrilled with His grace. Understanding His grace is understanding the height of His goodness and the depth of our sin. So it's like, God, I, you're better than I ever could have imagined. And I am worse than I ever could have imagined. Your grace towards me is amazing. Growing in Christian maturity means becoming more and more like a child. It's not knowing more Bible, getting my life right. It's becoming more and more like a child, being more and more infatuated with His grace. Remaining thrilled with His grace helps me be thankful. Let us abound in thanksgiving. As you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Rooted in Him, built up in Him, abounding in thanksgiving.